Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Clam Bake! How do you like me now? Maybe as a chowder or on a platter with melted butter and tangy mustard in a cluster from the coast of California. A trust of luscious muscles bathed in the gravitational pull of the moon with a new batch coming soon. Fresh baked and tastefully welcoming you to the Clam Bake! Welcome to the Clam Bake! Welcome to the Clam Bake! Welcome to the Clam Gallner. And I'm Lindsay Stidham. And I just said my name really weird. And we want us to be better feminists. <laughs> yeah, we do. I think we're slap happy this episode. I know. I'm we're into it. Cuckoo. But each week we interview different guests about their experiences, challenges, triumphs, and follies with feminism. Because being a human is tough. And being a feminist is complicated. But our best resource is each other. Yes, it is. So let's get talking. Welcome to the Clam Big Clams. Welcome, clams. <laughs> How's your clam, Ange? <laughs> my clam is good. Good. <laughs> You had a you took a self care night. Did you do fun things? Oh, I did. What did you do? Um, I went to happy hour with my friend Bridget, and then yeah. we like tipsily watched what we do in the shadows. Yeah, which is like the greatest film. It might be my favorite film. Yeah, it's very funny. I can Those watch it over and over and over. Goofballs. Yeah, it was good. I, my brain needed a break. I'm feeling a little like I've got a lot of outstanding things right now. Yeah. Join the club. So I'm feeling a little, a little like, <laughs> join the club. How about you, Hobbles? Yeah. You know, I'm getting around on, on crutches plus um, looking looking like, uh, I don't know, what do I look like when I walk right now? Just a little hob, just little a little hobbler. Just a little I mean, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it because this is just temporary. But, you know, it's just real interesting to watch how people react. Some people want to help you and some people don't. I think I said that last time, but some people are like, let's... Go. Another yeah, people, I mean that is interesting. Other people to, like, are like be temporarily disabled. I you know? will help you. Also, LA is like not a town for people who are not able-bodied. And again, my heart goes out to those people. Like I've been like going to a different co-working space than my normal co-working space. There's straight up nowhere to park, so I've parked a mile away from it, and then I've taken a lift there, and it's just like all these unnecessary expenses just to make a little tiny bit of money for the day. It's just oh, like L.A. Good. is, and then there's so many apartment buildings with just stairs. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And these are things that I've never even thought twice about ever before in my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, interesting. It's not a city, I think, that welcomes people who are not able-bodied, and that makes me angry on behalf of them. Yeah, it's fucked yeah, up. It's it is very cool. fucked up. Anyway, um, yeah. but Well, let's talk about something more <laughs> positive. Fun. And that's our fabulous guest, Amy Spalding. Hey, ladies. Hey, girl. Amy's wearing a fabulous cat dress. Yeah. It's like in my headshot, though. So sometimes I'm like, I get, I'll go to an event where I, I forget I've sent them my headshot. And then I like walk in and I'm wearing it and it's like on the poster and I'm like, oh, it's too much. Just enough. I'm no, like, I love it. It's clearly it's me because I'm wearing a dress in the photo. Look, you know your brand. You know it. Yeah. It's true. It's true. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a great dress, by the way. Amy has a lot, like a lot of amazing dresses. I follow her on the Instas, and she always it's like my weakness. Cool it's like my clothes. financial undoing. I love it though. Oh so my good. Everyone's like, "What's the secret?" I'm like, "Spend more than you should." Oh yes. <laughs> Anytime Worth, you have the urge. By. Yeah, yeah. Well, Amy is an amazing writer. We're super excited to have her here today. She yes. also has a BA, a BA in advertising and marketing and communications from Webster University, and an MA in media studies from the New School. And she studied long form improv, which is how I initially met her. I'm pretty sure we met in line standing to audition for Harold's that is, before the line was like was a thousand so people funny, long. Because I was trying to think of like, like how can I trace this back to its beginning? Yeah, but that makes. I'm sense. I'm pretty sure that's the beginning. I don't think we've ever been on an improv team together, but I feel like I still have like. With we you haven't, but I'm sure we were on some sort of like, hey, all the women get up and do yeah. a thing. Yeah, here's a practice group. You guys are together. Um, I got, I've been missing improv lately. I got to get back to some kind of performing, but that's a whole other story. But by day, she manages the digital media team for an indie film advertising agency. That's rad. And then later at night, she writes, performs, and pets as many cats as she can. She grew up in St. Louis, and now she lives in the better weather of L.A. And today we're going to talk about her book. Her fifth, I learned, before we started recording. Yeah. True. Her fucking fifth book. So cool. I don't know how it happened. What? That's amazing. That's so amazing. I've stopped counting how many unproduced screenplays I have. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if we started counting, like, the unpublished ones, it's, uh. a, it's a much higher number. Yeah. 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 Yes. Or just the like three sentences I'm like I've got it this is the beginning this <laughs> is of my masterpiece and then I'm like oh I guess it's just those three sentences then. that's done but they're really good they're sentences. so good they someday. Are. someday yeah yeah I love that I have like weird files of like notes that I take when I'm like half asleep and half awake and I'm like don't even remember what they mean but I have a oh, lot yeah, of files oh yeah I save like everything yeah but like so much of it just eventually gets like archived into the like old ideas folder yeah and then sometimes I go in there it's like a stranger wrote them I right? know yeah Especially when you type things when you're drunk. But every but now and then I'm like, this is poetry. This is brilliant, right? <laughs> I wrote I wrote this uh uh I need to like I need to like polish it up, but I wrote this like really angsty poem once when I was drunk across the street at Chibo, I think after one of our podcasts. Yeah. It was, about, it was I think we had probably talked about virginity because it was about like my teen angst and losing my virginity. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's pro it's actually probably bad. Oh my god, we need a poetry corner in our live show. I know show. we should. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you should definitely do that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, yeah. especially because you either secretly write it now or you used to. And it's even more cringe inducing because yeah. like I don't write poetry now. Mm -hmm. But when I was in high school I did. Oh, yeah. And like I definitely just wanted to write like weird things. Like yeah. it wasn't yeah. angsty at all. It was very much like, what's the weirdest thing I can think? And now I'm sure it's like very not weird. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. that too. Well, our first question for everybody who comes on is, are you a feminist? Why or why not? Yes. Uh, of course I, I feel like, of course I am. Um, I mean, you're wearing a pussy dress. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. On the clean um, bake, no less. I don't know. I just never, I mean, I know it sounds silly, but I just have never thought about not being a feminist. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, to me, it's just like a thing. I don't know. But that's interesting. It's so interesting you say that because that's not the case for many people. Like, our guest Absolutely, this past yeah. week yeah. has just recently become a feminist. It's so interesting. I took Even though she, like, her job is, like, incredibly feminist. So it was very interesting to hear that. That is really, yeah. yeah. And I took a, when I was in college, I took a women's studies class and I just think now it's more like gender studies or, right. you know, yeah. it's a little more nuanced. But at the time, it was still women's studies. And at the beginning of the class, the professor asked who was a feminist. And only a few women raised their hands. 
And then she was like, okay, well, I really hope to change that by the end of the class. Yeah. And she taught a bunch of really cool things. And I learned, it was nice to finally have like language for some of the terms yeah. that like, yeah. you know, are true, but you don't really have like the verbiage for yet. So it was really okay. great to like gain language. And, you know, that was where I read Bell Hooks for the first time and really like get exposed. And also like the people I really liked, see how they fit into a broader history. Yeah. And then at the end of the class, she's like, okay, I asked you at the beginning, like, I'm going to ask you now. And I think like one or two more people raised their hands. <gasps> and she, and I mean, I did go to college in Missouri. It's not right. the most progressive state. Yeah. But still, it was a very liberal arts campus. It really surprised me. And she she said, like, is anyone comfortable saying, why not? And woman's, one woman was just like, well, you know, I mean, I still really like men. And I'm like, <sighs> Have you been paying attention? To all, like, what's happening? Yeah, yeah. But I, I still think there's so much resistance out there, and then that just feeds people not knowing it's a thing they can embrace, and then it's fun, and it doesn't have to be. I don't know. I guess I was listening to Riot Girl music mm-hmm. and had parents who listened to like you know folk music from the '60s that yeah. was very much pushing progressive messages. So to me, I was always like, oh well, it's not this boring righteous thing it's like can be really fun and a part of community and so I never thought of it as a bad thing right yeah that's so cool to have grown up with that that positive messaging around it it is really great I wish if I could do it all over again I would have taken when women's or gender studies um in college and I, I didn't and I will be the first to admit that I like am coming to feminism I think later than many people do but I heard a really awesome statement this week um, from a stripper who got interviewed by Vice about how she felt left out of the Me Too movement because so many women put blame. They're like, "Well, you're a stripper, so you should just expect to get assaulted." Basically, which is just terrible, ridiculous. But yeah. she just Horrible had such thing. a pretty statement where she's like, "You don't have to call it smashing the patriarchy. You could just call it nurturing the matriarchy," which I thought was like, Aww, that was very that was cool. Nice too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. And also, like, both <laughs> things can be true. Totally. Also, like, I try to really, when I get frustrated with people, but also when I see that people are getting, like, they want to be a part of feminism, but they also feel sort of like, oh, no, but I I care about men, which, again. (laughs) I know. We Yes, of course, I care about individual men, too. This is not about men. This is actually about a system that favors men. It's not about men at all. Right. I mean, I shouldn't say it's not about men at all, but you know what I mean. It's not about individual choices at this point. It's about the right. system, right? And that it men benefit from it, white people benefit from it, but also, rich people benefit from it. Like it's yeah. not just one thing, right? And I think if you start looking at it like, how do we take down the structure and work together? Then it's less about like I am a woman, you are a man, or like right. yeah, so binary and so like just in these roles, right? Totally. But I also think like it really harms men. Like it's so much more than women, even sometimes. Yeah, and like I think like maybe I shouldn't say more than women, but, but like it, it's in different very ways. harmful. And like maybe maybe that's something we need to focus a little bit more on as a movement. And it, Wait, and it what feels in counter- particular is harmful? Um, just like the lack of um, allowing to express emotions. Yes. Like the yes. the lack of. You're saying sometimes the system we have in place. Oh, is yeah. The patriarchy yeah, is yeah. very. Yes, yes. The patriarchy is toxic to men and it breeds men who cannot process their feelings. So they, they put it outwards towards violence. Sure. And, and or, her, inward or inward to, to alcoholism or al- yeah. depression that they can't put a name to, you know. We're just like a constant shame that, I mean, I don't know about you two, but even I definitely grew up with plenty of like, oh, I was talking about this last night where I was like, oh, I'm not the right kind of like person who can do this sort of thing. 
Um, it was like a thing where we were talking about dating, but I was like, oh, I don't know how to flirt like a lady. And so like, it's not useful. And the people I was talking to were like, yeah, but when you're talking about like acting like someone you're not, no one wants that anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, oh my God, society fucked me up so bad that I'm like, oh, I'm even now as a feminist, as someone who's like, who doesn't buy into any of that, I'm still like, oh, I'm, I'm wrong at being a woman. Right. And like, yet in so many ways, women are given a much wider like a range of emotions we're allowed to express way I'm not saying we're always respected for it but that said it's societally acceptable to be to be sad to be like hurting all these things sure to be like fluid sexuality exactly yeah exactly whereas like that's you know what that's a great point too because I feel like half maybe not half a lot of women I know identify something other than straight. Now, what Mm -hmm. they want to label it is not always the same. Right. But I would say it's very common. Whereas, like, most women I know identify as straight or gay. Yeah. 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 But not a lot. And I'm not saying none, but, like, the majority. I might only know one bisexual, like, who is comfortable saying that. Yeah, and I certainly don't think it's because there aren't bisexual men. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. On dating apps, there's a lot of men who call themselves, who call themselves bisexual. bisexual. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's good enough. Maybe that feels a little safer because you're because you're actually stating like to women, and then yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're oh, showing, maybe not. They could have clicked that they're showing themselves to both. To, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, huh. interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's the world of sexuality is super fascinating. Super fascinating. And you hit on it, in which your is book. a perfect segue. <laughs> yeah, for the summer of Jordi Perez. Yes. And the best burger in Los Angeles. Yep. It's a yes. very long title. I love that title. Oh my and god. I love like on the pages, there's a little burger. Oh my pictures. god. I about died when my editor's like, okay, I'm gonna try to get you burgers as the little dividers. And I'm like, what? that's amazing. I am like, I'm not gonna get my hopes up because that seems unlikely. And then when they sent me the PDF, I'm like, oh my god, they totally did it. So cute. So, cool. so cute. Who did who designed the burgers? Um, I don't know. They found those. I don't know if it was just clip art or like something that you know, cool. whoever formatted it had, but oh my so God, cool. it, made, it made me so happy. Well, tell us um, like the log line of the book. Sure. The book is called The Summer of Jordi Perez and the Best Burger in Los Angeles. And it's about Abby, who's 17. She loves fashion. She's obsessed with it. She runs a plus size style blog and has had some, you know, like minor internet success with it. She gets an internship at her favorite local boutique. And she's thrilled because normally the internship turns into like a fall part-time job and discounted dresses and other cool things. (laughs) But when she starts her internship, she finds out that this year there's two interns and like only one of them is going to be picked for the fall job. But the other intern is a super, super cute girl who she falls for. Named Jordi Perez. And and she's kind of um, already comfortable in her sexuality from the beginning, isn't she? She is. I didn't want to write... A coming out book because I feel like the funny thing is people are like oh did you not want to write a coming out book because the power of a character already being out and I'm like oh it's actually like a super improv reason which is like get to the scene you're doing not explain the scene yeah. that's hot and so that's it was funny. actually much more of like a well if it's a coming out book then you have to write a bunch about like oh is this why I like her is this why mm-hmm. like and then I have to think about it and then I have to talk to my parents and I have to talk to my friends and I'm like I just want to get to like the meet cutes and the awkwardness the, like, of getting fun, to know each other and then stuff. like the making out. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't want to write the like whole coming out thing too. And so it was actually to me just serve the story better as a romantic comedy to get to that. But then I really, I was like, oh wait, no, I do like, 
that it's not about someone coming to because there's something about I think there's some really great coming out books and I lo- I loved um, Love Simon mm-hmm. and the book it was based mm-hmm. on but I think sometimes when that's the only narrative you're seeing about like right. queer teens is that the only story that's allowed to exist and it sort of like posits sexuality as a thing that could be like normal or not normal right. and if it's not normal you got to have a talk about it versus like well maybe it's normal either way and so we can just like move past that right yeah so i it's a tricky thing cuz you also still want to acknowledge it you don't want to be like this is not important. Your sexuality doesn't matter. But I also just didn't want to make it this whole conversation. I, yeah, I cool. love like the way you dealt with with that part of it though too, because it was so so. No one was like she wasn't being ostracized or bullied or anything like that for her sexuality. But she was dealing with things like um, feeling like sort of accepting that she wasn't going to find love. Yeah, and and that also like ties into her shape too. Yeah. I think it's – I mean, I still deal with this, like, where I'm like, well, I think I'm cool, but probably no one else does. So I'll just, like – I'll just, like, bow out of this, like, dating scenario for now mm-hmm. and, like, really feel like, oh, maybe no – like, it's not me. I think I'm great. But maybe other people don't. So I'll just, like, back off. It's like, like a sneaky – it's like you, it's like all the self-confidence is there, but then there's this sneaky back door that's like, getting Yeah. Out. And it's it's silly because you're like, well, clearly you're not as confident as you were saying if, like, you have these feelings. But also sometimes you can feel great and society is like, let's shit on you. And so then it's really hard to, like, feel good about yourself. So I definitely – that's the sort of thing I definitely took from some of my own experiences – but I also made Abby like way cooler and bolder because I'm like she's so cool. She's so cool. Everyone's like, so she's based on you, right? I'm like, no, the things, <laughs> but like the dresses, the dresses for sure. <laughs> yeah. But when I'm like, no, if you get to write about cool teen characters, you get to like fix things that you weren't like brave enough to oh, do. I love that. Or you get to like heighten things so they're a little more exciting. I'm like, no, I worked at TJ Maxx in the fitting rooms. I did not have a cool internship. <laughs> <laughs> I love all of that though. It reminds me, like I was so lucky. I went to performing arts high school where people still were like closeted for a little bit but they were closeted like freshman and sophomore year and then sophomore year they immediately already got the confidence to come out and they'd be like I'm gay and we'd all be like we know and it was like another day in school (laughs) it was like and then we'd like all moved on we're like we already know you're gay and they're like oh cool and then like that was that it was like the best school visit I ever did was going to a performing arts high school and like talking to those kids because they're all like so many teens, they're working so hard to, like, bury their emotions and not be vulnerable. And, like, performing arts kids are like, it's all here at the surface. Yeah. So cool. And I love it because, like – and I get it. I was one of those teens who was, like, definitely like, no, I'm cool. Don't worry. I don't have feelings. I'm just, <laughs> just being – listening to my indie rock and whatever. And when I meet these kids in art schools, they're so not like that. They're so connected to each other and they're yeah. not they're not so afraid of feelings and it's so cool. Yeah, we literally were like, do you want to listen to the new Ani DeFranco album and cry together? That was like my high school experience. <laughs> oh we were like, yes. They're like, it's raining. Do you want to listen to it in the rain and cry? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, that makes me extremely jealous, which should say a lot I about know. me. I I'm know. not going to lie. High school was amazing. Like, I peaked. That was, like, time of my life. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that your book touches on so many subjects, and it does it in such a beautiful way. You book it coming of age, gay coming of age, health, wellness, diet culture, fat phobia, friendship, and like how friendships change in relationship to relationships. Are these themes that have 
like what been woven through your other work as well or I feel like this is I sort of felt like I piled up so many themes on this that I almost got nervous when I started writing it I was like oh I always planned to write uh I always wanted to write a teen queer romance it was mm-hmm. just like one of those things I had on my list and I always wanted to write a story about a fat girl where she like got to be the romantic lead mm-hmm. and then I was like oh I think this is the same book I just want to do this all and then I was just like, oh, my God, I'm, like, dealing with all the things that I was nervous to write about at the same time. And it wasn't that I was like, well, people like this. It was much more like I want to make sure I get this right because I think you have a responsibility when you're not just sort of telling, like, a really broad story that is very mainstream. I think anytime you're, like, talking about people's identities, mm-hmm. I just wanted to be really respectful. I didn't I, – I kept being like, okay, but, like – this is how I experience being fat. Like, is this how other people do? Mm-hmm. And so I just, it made me nervous. It made me like really try to be more thoughtful. I, want, I was going to say than usual. I think I'm always trying to be thoughtful, but it was in a different way. Yeah. And I reached, I don't know if you know of Julie Murphy who wrote that book, Dumplin', which, no. oh my gosh, it's an amazing fat it. girl book. I haven't book. read it though. And it's actually being turned into a movie. Yeah, I cool. think I read that. That's so, so cool. I can, I'm so excited. And I reached out to her as I was writing it. And I hadn't even read Dumplin' yet. Like, it wasn't even out yet, but I knew it's it was coming. such a cute title. Yeah, it's a and great so title. And so I reached out to her and I was like, Julie, did you get nervous? And she was like, I was only nervous that I would do it right. And I wanted to, you know, get it right. And that's all that I got worried about. And I sort of was like, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And then I also realized at the end of the day, I wasn't telling a story for like every fat girl and every queer girl. I was telling a story about one and I would do her justice. And then it sort of just like came together. But I will say in all my work, I'm always, I'm very interested in relationships in general and not just like romantic relationships, like family, friendships. And I think so much when you're in high school starts to come together in a way that Like, your friendships are maybe deepening because you've been friends with people maybe since grade school. Mm -hmm. Or you're meeting new people because you're having new experiences and you're maybe getting a job for the first time Mm -hmm. and coming into contact with people you wouldn't have normally. And you have sibling relationships you might have to deal with. Your parents start seeming like people maybe for the first time. Which is a thing. I don't think you I don't think you grapple with it as much when you're younger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then also as you get closer to college, people are like making these like really big life decisions like where they're going to move, what they're going to do, which as an adult, I like look back on the fact that we were trying to like figure this out at like 17. It's so young. It's so so young. It's so So young. Totally. And so I'm like, those things are all happening to you at the same time. So I think it also just makes it really rife for like, ooh, how can we line this up for someone to have to like, (laughs) like now as an adult, like also like who you date doesn't necessarily like affect anything else in your life like you might tell your friends about it or it might be but there's whatever. not that overlap but that like there is in when high you're school. in high school it's like they're pro- they likely go to school with you your friends probably all know them already yeah um there's not a lot to choose from at least there's we went to no <laughs> your parents you, you know if they find out you have a crush on someone it's like they know who that person is that's embarrassing yeah they like have dinner with that person's parents and if you have, like, a fight with a friend, you still have to, like, see them and clap. Yeah. Like, if you have yeah. a fight with a friend as an adult, it's hard. Like, it's really hard. But to some degree, you can just be like, okay, I won't see that person. Yeah, we'll take some space. But, like, that's all stuff that you just have to deal with every single day. When you're in high school, you can't, like, 
untie all your worlds. Yeah, yeah. it's like a like a perfect storm of hormones and emotions and experiences. It's such a good like when people are like, "Do you want to write?" You know, other genres. I'm like, I don't know. High school's so fun because like yeah. it's all right there. Yeah, I also perpetually feel like I'm trapped in a 16 year old's body, so I love writing for young people. <laughs> oh yeah, and yeah. when people will say like, "Oh, like." what do you do to get in the mindset? I'm like, oh, this is just how it comes out. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I would love to be like, oh, I go on a journey emotionally. And yeah. No, like I sit down and like 17-year-old words come out. <laughs> so awesome. So so is that one of the reasons why you were drawn to YA? And also when we were researching this, I was reading so much every time, almost every time, not every time, but some of your press articles, and I saw it multiple times, was like, there's just a, a huge lack of books that have a queer focus for YA. Yeah. Yeah. Why was, do you think that is? And also, why were you drawn to YA? <laughs> absolutely. So I really initially was not – I didn't know I was drawn to YA because when – I'm I'm old. So when I was growing up, there wasn't really like YA as it is now. Right. There was like Sweet Valley High books. Which yeah. I love. Oh, God. I loved the them. The Wakefields. <sighs> and like – Very Judy, important. But like Judy Bloom was like, like in the same section basically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. like some of the – but like Judy Bloom's Forever was like all about like being 16 and like dating and yeah. like losing your virginity and like would totally sit side by side on like a lot of YA today. But then some of it was much younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like – these books won an award. It's like, okay, but they're like not really <laughs> fun. fun. You know, yeah. Fun, like, they're like more like sexy. homework. You know yeah. what I mean? And so I didn't really know that YA was becoming a thing. And yet I kept writing stories where like teens were basically the lead or it was a teen story to some degree. And at one point someone's like, oh, well, I guess your books are would be okay for YA, but nothing else. And I was like, oh, I'm offended. Like, Whoa, the judgment. This yeah. is, I don't know. I didn't realize I was writing a Sweet Valley High sort of book. And then I I kind of complained to a friend. She's like, actually, YA is amazing right now. Yeah. And I got a bunch of recommendations. I went to the library. And it, I mean, at first I was like, oh, my God, I'm in the children's section. Will I get yelled at? <laughs> Do I seem like a weird perv? But I immediately like connected with these books. And I was like, oh, shit, this is what I've been trying to do. I didn't even know. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was like so cool. Because I was like, oh, there's a section that I want to be in. Now I can take these books out and read them. And it was like a switch got flipped and I definitely became a better writer for it. Yeah. There's so many amazing writers writing YA. Like John August just wrote a YA book. Like, Well, that's the thing. Like, I think yeah. more people are getting drawn to it too. And it's just making it – like YA is so diverse. There's so many cool voices in it, so many types of books. And I feel like there's a lot of room for – I don't know, YA audiences, they're very – they expect a lot in a good way. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I think sometimes you read, like, adult literary fiction, and I'm just like, get to the point. What is the point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you read a YA, and even when it's one that has, like, beautiful language, it's also, like, got a plot that's moving forward, and it's, like, juggling relationships. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're doing everything. Yeah. They're so yeah. fun. They are fun. I'm Every time I go to a YA section, there's multiple things I want to buy for myself. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys ever read Animorphs? No. No. That was, that was like... I was too, I was too old. too old by the time those came out. I don't know. If, yeah, I don't even know what that is. I remember the covers would be like <laughs> they morphed into yeah. animals. Wait, what did they begin as? Humans, human cool. teenagers. Yeah, yeah. And but they, it would show like the yeah. starting to be a little mm-hmm. like a cat, more like a cat, more, and then by the end it's just a cat. But yeah. of course, there was like romance and oh, also yeah. they were like sci-fi teen. I mean, they I'm not gonna faves. lie, a half horse, half man makes me horny. Just does. Well, then check those books out, Lens. <laughs> they may be exactly what you want. Guess I Great. need some animorphs. Yeah, in they my also, life. there's also, you can find like, never mind. 
We'll talk about this off okay. the cast. Okay. <laughs> or we'll devote a whole cast to it in the future. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Maybe you can get in touch with one you of the Animorphs like, writers. Like centaur porn is what you need. Yeah. Like oh, people yeah. in costumes. Yeah. Yeah. I need some of that. All right. I'll, all right. Note to self. Well, that's all we have time for. Lindsay's <laughs> <laughs> got a busy night. <laughs> Maybe I just need to go to some good cons to find a man. Yeah. Some centaur cons. Centaur cons. If you know of any centaur cons, shoot there's us an There's got to be one, right? Yes. I'm sure there is. Yeah. <laughs> there's a con for like everything. Any, I was going to say, anything you can think of, there's a con for. Yeah. But back to you. Back to me. <laughs> yes. um, as far as Queer Way goes, when I started thinking about writing this book, the main reason was that I felt like every time there were, like, queer kids in a YA book, it was, like, sad in some way. Yeah. Huh. Like, they had to come out, and then someone was like, I don't accept you. And they had to, like, earn the acceptance, which is, like, garbage. Yeah. And I know they weren't written to be that way. Like, and again, I think I think plenty of these books were, like, really important to people because it was still representation. It was still, like, getting to see a queer character be the lead. Right. All these things are really important. But I kept thinking, like, well, if all the queer YA are, like, issue books, like, where, like, I don't write issue books. I really like books where, you know, there's, like, awkward meet-cutes and make-outs and, you know, swoony stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why can't, there should be books like that, too. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that's what I wanted to do. But the great thing is, I think a lot of people were thinking this. And also, pub I think also people were trying and publishing was sort of, like, we don't think that's what people want. Yeah. And when Boy, were they wrong. <laughs> it's I mean, it's really true. And I, I think what happens and I talked I talked on another podcast about this too, but I think a lot of publishing companies are sort of like, Okay, well, we're on the coast. We know we like this. But like let's think of someone in the middle of the country who's just like a white straight Christian person. Like, they don't want to read these books. <sighs> and first of all, it turns out for the country is much more varied than that. Yes. Like that is not the only person who's in the middle of the country. Right. And even, you know, white straight I well not straight, but like white Christian Midwestern teens can also be queer. No, first totally. Well like, they need it they need those books and the they most. Need it more. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. they might not see it in their community they otherwise. Won't. Yeah. Totally. And then maybe like you see someone else with that book and you can be like, Oh, did you like that book in a very specific way? And like maybe you like have an end to like talk about your identity with people. Well, can yeah. you imagine like a young like a young girl in the Midwest or Texas who feels strange about the way she feels reading your book and being like, no one is shaming this character or like yeah. acting yeah. like it's some sort of Weird sin, thing. you know? So like, yeah, how like empowering. even if it's hard here, and maybe it's going to be easier later. Book. She's yeah. the star. Yeah, she's yeah. not the yeah. sidekick. She's not, you know. <laughs> just like one of the other characters it's like her story yeah and that was really important to me but like i was saying the cool thing is a lot of people i think were thinking the same thing so there's a lot of books either out or coming out that are much happier stories and that even if they have a sense of like having to like get accepted or you know deal with people who aren't necessarily as welcoming it's l so much less about those characters and much more about you know that queer character getting to have their own journey so yeah that's cool it makes me really happy and it's like it took a while to get this book published, and then it felt like it took a while for it to come out. And now I'm like, oh, but it's coming out at such a cool time where it's like in a like a whole little group of books that I feel like are doing great things. So cool. Quick sidetrack question. That's not in our questions, but um, how long does it take you to write a book? Yes, tell. <laughs> this book was really easy to write. Um, and then I was like, oh, I think I figured out how to write books, and they will all be easy now. And it's so it out. only takes five books. Which is like so <laughs> yeah, boring. but I was like, oh, it took five books, and now I know how to write books really That's easily. Right. And then my sixth book 
it was really hard. It's the hardest thing I ever wrote. And I was like, okay, I guess I just learned how to write that book. That one book. That one book. I figured it out. Um, It was just like such a joy to write. I will also say like writing romantic comedy, there's something really nice about like it has like all these sort of established like beats that you just get to like relax because you know what you're going. Like you're like, well, I know they need to meet. I know they need to like get to know each other. I know there has to be this misunderstanding. All these like beats you get to hit. And then you get to have fun with them because the audience, like, trust you mm-hmm. because they know where it's going to. Yeah. That's, like, the comfort of a romantic comedy. And yeah. so I think there's also, like, I wrote three <laughs> rom-coms in a row. This was the third. And I think it was just, like, oh, I do know I do know how to land this now. Yeah. And it made it, made it really fun because I think when you're trying to, like, plot and do character and, like, structure, like, all these things, it's so hard. And then you have to, like, go back a lot and figure things out. But with rom-coms, you're sort of like, well, I know the structure. Mm-hmm. So now I just get to figure out all the fun stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, structure is very hard. So is it like your first draft like a year-ish? Or um, like- no. Like I wrote this and I want to say in like four months, five yeah. months. Like it was That's fast. Great. At That's most. amazing. But the thing is, well, for that one, it was pretty much like I wrote it. I went back and just like made sure everything still made sense. Yeah. But it was a pretty – I felt like it was a pretty easy process but then, you know, once it sells, you just have to, like, wait. Yeah. And then and months then later, you get drafts. an editorial letter. Mm-hmm. And then you get, like, a deadline to, like, make those changes. And then you wait. And then you get, a, like, the follow-up notes. And then, like, less changes. Right. So, like, overall, it probably ends up being, like, around a year. You're all combined. Right. But, like, it's spread out in weird ways. Sure. But the book that I just sold that's c- going to come out in two years. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah. Damn. It is, like... It's two timelines and two points of view. Cool. And so it was very complicated. And that took yeah. me like, I want to say closer to like eight or nine months to write. I'm working a on a story like that right now, a screenplay where it's like different people's points of view about a similar event. And like, <laughs> I just got notes on it and I'm trying to not freak out about it where they're like, we think your structure is like really pretty brilliant, but also like maybe we want to change it. And I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah. When I when I had like my initial call with the editor for this book, uh, for the two POV two timeline book, she was like, I don't really have it handy. It out. I hope you don't want like thoughts yet. I was like, no, no, no. I don't want to hear any thoughts yet. I just want to <laughs> enjoy that someone's buying it, mm-hmm. and like we'll worry about changes later. Yeah. And she was like, well, they're not going to, like, be huge change. I was like, oh, thank God. (laughs) But I, like, I went through a lot of, you know, sending it to friends who are writers and, like, getting their notes. And, I mean, it's really hard with different POVs. It is. It's really hard. Because, like, if you make, like, like, a change, it affects things, but not in the, like, not in a linear way and much more of, like, a... Oh, so they would have seen it this way, which means I have to twist it this way. Oh, God, you guys. I'm getting so much anxiety thinking about this. Totally. And, like, every little beat, too, if... If their plots are intersecting, which of course they are because that's a good story, is going to affect like the other person's point of view or the uh, whatever you've yeah. set up. And like, yeah. And sometimes yeah. it can just like shift emotions. And so like nothing changes, but how they feel about it changes. And like that can affect like literally every word of dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> I love talking about writing. Anyway, oh back to you. <laughs> I love it when it's also like you've Ugh. given yourself that problem. No one was like, right. Amy, do this. <laughs> I was just like literally like crying, like almost crying over it, right? Because I'm just like, it's so hard. How am I going to make this work? And I'm like, no one said to do this. I was like, let's do something really hard and challenging. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. That's cool that you did that, though. And I, I love stories like that because they're, they're so, fun so to read. rewarding in the end. Yeah. I'm yeah. Hope, I mean, I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, you sold it. Yeah. I sold it. So I'm like, whatever. It counts for now. Yeah. We're going to read it. So Great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
Um, I'll let you take the next yeah. question. So let's talk a little bit about fat phobia and your character and the and and the way she navigates being in the fashion world and doing the plus size blogging. Um, what did you hope to, what kind of like messaging did you hope to send to young women who would read that? I really wanted to let fat girls know they could be like cool. And not that I, look, there are plenty of fat girls who are like, I know I'm cool, don't worry. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, good, That then that then you can just enjoy that a character feels the way you do. But for, I've had so many people who are like, oh, I'd love to dress like you. I just don't quite have the nerve. And I'm like, well, just do it. If you want to dress like me, just like do it. Or if you want to dress more brightly, do it. Yeah. I feel like so many articles when it's like how to dress for your figure, it's like for like a small girl. It's like an adorable bright outfit. And by the time it gets to plus size, it's like black on top and like black on bottom. Yeah. And like wear a giant coat and like a hat and hide in a corner. And it's like, what? No. (laughs) And it's so frustrating. And I think I used to like buy into that a lot. Yeah. And at a certain point, I was like, First of all, if all I'm doing is trying to look smaller than I am, there's something sort of fucked up about that. Like Massively fucked like, up. Like, not just on, like, a fat phobia level, but, like, on a literal, like, there's something about trying to look smaller than you are that I feel like every every woman, woman gets that message, like, regardless of size. And it's, like, take up as little space as you can. Mm-hmm. And you see how, like, so many men are in public which is to like sit with their legs super wide open, yep. like yeah. lean on things that aren't theirs, like, <laughs> you know, put their bags all over, whatever. Man spread in. Yeah. Right? That's the term. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's like, oh, I feel so ashamed if I'm like not perfectly within like my little space and like yeah, have my feet yeah. tucked back and like my arms at my side, like yeah. so perfectly. And I'm like, okay, to some level that's just being considerate and I, I wish more people would do that. But on the other, I'm like, I, look, I take up what I take up. Right. And we should all take up what we take up. Right. And so I think there's something about, like, resisting the idea that, like, cute fat fashion has to be about looking, like, the smallest you can look. Also, when you, like, look happy and you're not trying to hide yourself, you look better anyway. Right. So if it's yeah. really just, like, even if it's just on, like, a super superficial level, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to look your best, how about a thing you actually like and feel good in? That, like, makes you smile and makes you, like, feel – like, when you walk in a room, you have confidence. Yeah. Like, that's more attractive than, like, being a size zero. Right. I mean, a size zero can also be that attractive. I'm just saying that, like, like confidence is is a really wonderful, right. beautiful thing. Yes. Regardless, regardless of size or shape or whatever else. And yeah. so, like, it just made me really – it made me happy to get to write a character who was, like – no, I like my style. I like how I look in public. Like, I don't want to change that. But I still, like, I didn't want it to also be this, like, wild fantasy where everyone, where she felt like, and everyone agrees with me. Like, right. She's not, she's not immune to the, she knows that the world can be really shitty to fat people, especially on the internet. Yeah. Where there's anonymity. And I think I, I wanted to balance that with the idea that, you know, like, Sometimes, and I feel like, first of all, I'm just much more of a loud mouth now and people know how I feel. So even if they disagree, they're quiet in front of me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I was younger, I, I friends would say like rude things about fat people in front of me. And I'm like, excuse me. They're like, well, we don't mean you. Like, you take good care of yourself. You look great all the time. And I was like, right, but that's not just me. That's tons of fat people. Right. So when you say harmful things, you're just perpetuating stereotypes that knowing me, you should know are not true. Right. Right. So 
I think it's also good for like, look, mainly I want a story that fat girls can read and be like, yeah, she's the lead. She is the hero. Mm -hmm. She gets the cute girl. Like, I was going to say spoiler Mm -hmm. alert. It's a romantic comedy. You know, she gets the cute girl. Come on. (laughs) What are you in this for otherwise? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But like, I wanted all those things to cut all the romantic comedy things to happen for her. I wanted her to get those. And and yet I'm also like, look, if you're smaller than this character is, I also like hope you read that and be like, oh, right. Like that is, you know, that's the life of a fat girl. I should understand that like just because someone's fat doesn't mean they like sit around and they're not active and they're just right. like. And look, if you want to eat garbage, go for it. But I, I feel like I know just as many skinny people, if not more, who eat garbage. And yet no one says like, what about your health? Right, mm-hmm. right. I shouldn't say no one. I'm sure some people yeah. say like, "Hey, why are why all the Cheetos?" But um, yeah, I think it's also this misconception that you know, thin people are healthy, fat people are unhealthy. Yeah, and I know so many fat people who have like low b- blood pressure and like all their numbers are great and they're active and they walk everywhere and you know they rock climb and all this other run stuff. marathons. Yeah. yeah, I I recently saw this incredible documentary called Fatitude. Have you heard of this? No, it's. I'm, I'm telling you, it is absolutely fantastic. And I emailed them and I was like, um, because I I had an eating disorder for 10 years and I that's like I write a lot of about that. Um, so a lot of people listening to this podcast sort of found it through that realm and I wanted to share it with everyone so that they could watch it because I watch it with another friend of mine who's in recovery and we were just like, oh my God. God, the fucking lies that we have been told about fat people and the hatred that we have against fat people in this country is like... And it's so weird because there's all these like weird contradictory things too where like recently, I forget, it might have been Nike released like a line of plus size activewear Mm -hmm. and all these people were like, fat people are disgusting. They shouldn't wear this. And I'm like, but so you probably wish fat people were thinner, which means... Don't you want them to fucking run? like? If you want them oh, to work out, broke. like, shouldn't they have activewear that's cute? Or people like there are literally still people who don't think there should be cute plus size fashion because if fat people are happy, they won't try to lose weight. And I'm like, first of all, not every fat person needs to lose weight. Right? Eat, look, even if you are at a weight that is unhealthy for whatever reason, and like. Again, being fat in and of itself is not unhealthy. It's not unhealthy, but, like, but there's like the medical industry is in on this conspiracy yes, to make us think like, that because of the say, diet industry. Let's say you do need to lose weight for whatever sure. reason. Let's say that that is a medical necessity. What? You're not going to lose it faster by wearing something ugly. Right. There, <laughs> I love that. Like, I love that. I feel like there's this weird thing that, you know, society is like, but if fat people are happy, what if they're just fat? And I'm like, well, but we are anyway. Yeah, is that such an insult to your eyeballs? Like, I'm so I'm so confused by yeah, this. So yeah. I think, I mean, for me too, once I was able to like get whatever I wanted fashion-wise, I was also like, I liked myself so much more. Because hmm. when mm-hmm. you're constantly just like, oh, well, there's one rack at this store. Yeah. And everything on it's for like an old woman and that's not how I dress. Right. Or like you have to take whatever's in style that season versus like when you're thin, you have a lot of other options. Right. But once fashion sort of like caught up, I was like, oh, I'm good. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I'm making a note to myself because the cord is not here, but uh, we'll play a little piece of the Fatitude trailer now. I want you to fire the fat people. What? They're lazy and they're slow and they make me sad to look at. 74 sexual positions and not a single fatty. It's impressive. So you can either be fat and jolly or a skinny bitch. It's up to you. Unless I'm fat, then burn me. She got real fat on me, so I was like, ew, bye. I, I'm Ross's little sister. 
Okay. It's rare to see fat bodies positively portrayed in the media. I think fat is conceived as monstrous because we're taught these things from a very early age. Monsters and ogres and people who threaten you and people that you should be afraid of. Like, we don't have lives. We're just like supporting that lead person, that beautiful friend of ours. They weren't making the plot go forward. They were too busy, you know, enjoying cupcakes. That's a, like almost like a cliche in Hollywood film to make fun of the, the fat guy. Or on the other hand, we'll see characters who are characterized by their fatness and then made to seem as victims of, you know, cruel society. Now you have brought the curse down upon your head. Her curse is that she has to be a fat lady. Well, and I think it's great the more people understand that. Yeah. It's just all going to get better because if we're all healthier, great. But, like, if people start to accept that health can come at any size. Right. Like, there's just going to be less self-hatred, which honestly leads to, like, healthier living because it's less stress. Yeah. yeah. And taking, like... If you believe that your body is garbage because of the size it is, mm -hmm. why would you take care of it? Right. That's the other thing is like I feel like it does no one any good. Mm -hmm. But if you're like fat but you, you know, you're active and you're, you know, living a healthy life, you know, within the realm of, you know, real, you know, realistic real life, living. Yeah. Yeah. Not starving yourself like, like you know, we tell pe fat people to do and then shame <sighs> anorexic women for doing. We tell them to do the exact same behavior. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. It's like so much of dieting is just disordered eating. Oh, yeah. But if you're above a certain weight, it's like seen as ideal. Right, right. Or it, it's like expected of you. How dare you not be trying to starve yourself? Oh, I like it at my day job, like food will show up, you know, from different meetings and someone will be like, ugh, I'd eat that donut if I was, wasn't going to hate myself. And I was like, just eat a donut. Like, if you want to eat a donut, just eat You don't have to hate yourself for it. Yeah. Like, I gave away donuts for my day job today. And we had this talk literally right before I left work where we would – I was like, I wish we had had a timer because people would try and have a conversation with us and they would smell the donuts and look at them and they'd tell themselves over and over again, I can't have a donut, I can't have a donut. But they'd stand there for like 10 minutes and have a conversation with us which on our end is marketing people were geniuses because they're forced to talk to us. Uh -huh. but, but I feel bad for the people because they literally are like, you can see them torturing yes. themselves about the decision to have one donut. And then if they do and then have they, it, and they then feel finally decide about themselves. Yeah, yeah. And then one guy today did not want us to see him take a donut because he didn't want to talk to us. But, um, but I also think he just didn't want anybody yeah. to see him take the donut. He, like, took it and he, like, hur hurried away. And my thing is either, like, if you can't have it, just get away from it. Yeah. And if you decide to eat it, just, like, let that be enjoyable. Be okay with it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's okay to have one donut now and then. Like, maybe not every day, but now and then you can have one if you want one. It's, like, yeah. it was – I was feeling – I started to feel by the end of the day because we were there for a really long time today. I started to feel tortured at the end of the day watching people torture themselves about whether or not to oh, have a donut. It was very bizarre. It was bizarre because I don't think I've – given away donuts for that many hours before so i haven't thought this deeply about it before <laughs> but like <laughs> an intimate day with donuts a very intimate day with donuts but to oh. follow up on this just like a little bit what do you think about the word fat in general and people being scared to use it and when is it okay to use it or like even overthinking it is that messed up and we should just use it yeah i it's funny because like i have just embraced it as like the word I use because I think it's just really straightforward 
and also isn't like a cute euphemism, which like I just I don't use for anything else. Right. And I also think a lot of the words we like used to be sort of like like curvy or whatever. I'm like, well, that's like one shape. Right. And it's also like sort of like, see, I'm still sexy. It's like, well, it's okay, whatever. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. And I don't like like I don't like things like overweight because I feel like they imply that like there's, there's a there's a good weight, weight and then you're bigger than that. And then I know, you know, I know some people have different preferences. For me, I just, to me, it's so straightforward. And it's just like, it can be very matter of fact. And it doesn't have to have like a meaning, like a morality on top of it. Mm-hmm. But I definitely like, I'll say something to someone like, oh, yeah, since I'm fat, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, don't say that about yourself. I'm like, but I am. And they're like, no, 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 don't say it. And I'm like, it's not an insult. I had a woman go, the fact that you think it's not an insult is so sad to me. And I'm like, but I am fat. Like, let's get past that. And like, who cares? Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's so strange to me. Um, I guess I'm like super comfortable with anyone who is fat using it. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's funny because like sometimes I'll see like reviews of my book that are like, Abby, a fat lesbian. And I'm like, oh, I'm. I guess I'm still getting used to like non-fat people saying it like that. That's like it's still, but I'm also like she is, and I'm the one who's saying that it's like an like a neutral word. But it is right, right. But there is cultural. There's yeah, and I think it's like it to me. It feels a bit like we reclaimed it to some degree of like you thought this was an insult. We're just going to use it. Like I can say cunt, but yeah, yeah, you can't. But when yeah, when men say it, I'm just like, how dare you? Like Mm -hmm. get out of here. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So I think I'm still. I'm still undecided how I feel about other people using it. Yeah, yeah. But I I think it's – I think one thing as I get older, I'm getting really comfortable, like, living in gray spaces still. Right. I think, like, when you're young, it's very much like this is right and this is wrong. Right. And then you, like, live through different movements. You live through just yourself getting older. And I'm like, well, no, I'm I'm not comfortable with everyone saying it right now, but maybe that's on me. And or maybe that's on society and we'll yeah. see where we end up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sort of yeah, I'm sort of like living in an in-between on, that's on like cool. who's who's saying it or not. But I yeah. and I also it's the thing of like I don't want to speak for everyone. Because I know some sure. people can still be really like, I don't like that word. And I'm like, cool, then like I would never use it for you. Right. And I, I never assume I can use it for someone else either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's interesting. You said though, like fat lesbian is the descriptor in the review. I feel like that's like the writer being lazy like just like like I'm trying to be so conscious in scripts of like not to call the woman the hot woman or the hot chick or like whatever it's like because there's so many other things like you know Abby is funny and charming and smart and like right but then I'm also like but also being fat is cool and being lesbian is cool so like why not yeah it's it's weird because I'm like is that my internal like yeah like I've I grew growing up those were two things I heard were bad. So, like, right, right. am I just reacting to that? I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting to be in dialogue with yourself about that. It, like, it, what it, a I mean, I fascinating feel, process. I feel like I told someone, I'm like, you know, like when you're in your car and you're doing car therapy, and they're like, "What's car therapy?" And I'm like, <laughs> you know, like you're alone, but you're like doing your therapy talk just like with yourself, and they're like, 
okay, I mean, yeah, I guess I do that. I don't call it car therapy. But I'm like, no, let's like, like how that. you work on yourself sometimes, though, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially I mean, in Los Angeles. I was going to say, we got yeah. like traffic. We have back. to use that have, time, okay? Yeah. There's only so much you can do. It's like totally. catch up on podcasts and like work on my like self-esteem. Totally. And how my anxiety. Yes. I sometimes sit in my car in my parking space and think for a minute before I like move on to something else. <laughs> oh, I do, like literally I would say there's always like two to ten minutes in my car, like in between parking and going up to my apartment. Yeah. You got to like finish what you were thinking about. That's right. Yeah. I was just looking because I, I I wanted to s- sing some of the f- like fancy praises Thank you're you. getting. And I'm looking. Um, the Summer of Jordi Perez is a crazy sweet, a crazy sweet, funny romance by Amy Spalding that brings a queer fat character out of the sidekick role and into the spotlight. Yeah, they, it's just really, which is an awesome so, like praise, but it's there, right? Like, it, yeah, yeah. But it, like, it, I'm like, oh, that was exactly what I was trying to do. It's so like good to be like, that's the thing I was trying to do, yeah. and people like it for that reason. Yeah, that's it's, so cool. It was a really good feeling, and that was from Bustle. Yeah, that felt Same. really cool. Yeah. Um, we got to read the Shandala one. Read it. Read it, girl. The YA novel by Amy Spalding is a modern rom-com for queer kids or adults. It has romance, talented, ambitious young women, nuanced friendships between diverse characters, family conflict, and, of course, food. Shondaland. So dope. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I keep being like, I know it wasn't, like, actually Shonda Rhimes who said that. It was a person who writes for Shondaland. But still. But it's still, like, I'm just, like, I'm, like, one degree away from Grey's Anatomy now. It's it makes awesome. me really happy. Yeah. So rad. So rad. That's my I, – I don't really believe in guilty pleasures because I feel like that's just liking a thing you know is not good. Right. But I – She's a genius. But I like, mean, she, she Here's is. the thing. For, like, all the, like, silliness of Shonda shows, they're so great, too. Yeah. They're so yeah. diverse. They're she's so, like – She's a good cliffhanger writer. Always. Suspense. Like, and she's she so just, good like, at it. She's believes master. in women who love their job and yeah. love what they do and they're ambitious and they, like, go after what they want. And, and don't make apologies. No, it's yeah. so great. Put themselves usually before the men in their life. Oh, so good. And like so women good. friendships being like, go, if you're afraid, your friend is like, go after it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Anyway, Shondaland basically is like, you got to read this book. Yes. So you got to read it. <laughs> um, another one that is such a fun review, I thought. You'll want to go shopping with Abby. You'll obsessively need to sample every cheeseburger in town. You might even plan a foodie fashion fun times vacation in LA. But most importantly, you'll fall in love with the summer of Jordi Perez, just like I did. Yeah. That's a beautiful review. It's really nice. And yeah. that's by Gretchen McNeil, author of 10 and I'm Not Your Panic, Your Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I love it because Gretchen just like writes mainly a bunch of like real murdery, sort of like Christopher Pike esque. Yeah. You know, I I love stuff like that. And also, like, I know she like really cares about fashion and other things. So I was like, so fun. Oh, I really want you to read this book, Gretchen. But I'm like, you know, I feel like a lot of Gretchen's fans, if they like hear her review and then read it, are like, where's the murder? Where's the murder? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So do you reveal the best burger in LA, but don't tell us? It's, just... it's sort of like a it's sort of like a joke answer because I didn't really want to come down on like, you know what I mean? I was yeah. sort of like, I want to take myself out of this yeah. because I don't want angry burger lovers. Okay, but and what... people have very specific burger opinions in they this town. Do. Okay, they so you you, Me not personally. Abby, exactly. what is your best burger in LA? So, what I've been thinking about a lot lately is that Shake Shack was not here when I wrote this book. Mm. And I'm real obsessed with Shake Shack. Yeah. yeah, it's a good burger. And they have their regular burger is just great, but they also have this Bonkers burger, which is like, is it the Shake Stack that has like 
a deep fried portobello mushroom stuffed with cheese Shut that up. they put on top. Like you can get that just as the veggie burger, which I'm like. Yeah, I'm a vegetarian and I'm yeah. like, oh, excuse me. So you can get that just as the vegetarian <laughs> burger, which yeah. I think is hilarious because I, I feel like a lot of times people pick the vegetarian burger to be like. Like, I'll get veggie like burgers sometimes just to be a little yeah. healthier. So I love that they're like, fuck Deep you. Deep fried mushroom yeah. with cheese, bitches. But you can get that as the topping of a oh burger. Whoa. Whoa, yeah. And Shake sometimes Shack. I just want that. Sometimes it's like yeah. literally all I can think about. So I'm sort of like in a real Shake Shack place, shake shack place right now to get the yeah. Shake Stack. Oh, man. Now you're like... Making I'm me hungry. think if I should I drive to West Hollywood tonight. Well, also, we already went in West Hollywood. Let me Not just far. let you know that, oh, like Shake Shack, I keep getting the name wrong. Shake Shack. It's a tongue They poster. do Postmates. So like oh, I often, no. it is like, it is like, I said dresses were my worst financial decision, but like my, my Postmatesing on Shake Shack. Yeah. Girl, yeah. Yeah. I get it. Because, like, it. they just go get it for you. It's and nice. then it's there in your apartment. I love when people bring things to me. Yeah. Oh, it's it's the greatest. <gasps> and if you don't live in Los Angeles, you can live vicariously through uh, Abby and, like, go on a great burger journey. Burgers and tacos in L.A., people take it very, very, very yes. seriously. So Yeah, it's a big yeah. deal here. You basically, like, can come here probably and, like, eat you all the just, burger like, sheets. Yeah. All yeah, the, all the places tour. are real. You could totally do a love burger it. crawl. Oh, oh my yeah. God. I love that. Um, Love it. Your your book comes with Burger Crawl I'm Games. So stoked. Well, before we wrap up, this has been so amazing. Um, what would be like some advice you'd have to young listeners who are thinking about taking on a novel but might be intimidated? I would say just do it and don't worry. Try not to think about like what happens. When I say what happens next, I don't mean in the book. You should worry about that. Write your book. <laughs> but I think it's so easy to be like, is this good enough to be published? Will people like it? Is this the right thing? Is this the right thing for the market? Will it ever be a movie? It's so easy to get bogged down in that. And then, I mean, I still do that sometimes. I've had, you know, I've had five books out now. And it, I've, I'm very lucky. But I still, like, will be writing. I'll be like, well, is this what people would expect for my next book? And then, it, like, instead of being like, who cares? Just write it and yeah. make it better later. Or, like, maybe you'll find out it's not the right one, but get it done. But I think it's so easy to, like, get – you get bogged down in your own, like, fears of what's going to happen that you, like, don't get it done now. So my thing is just, like, try to, like, focus on the work. And then if it's good, it doesn't matter if it's the right thing for the market. It will become the right thing for the market. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Also, like, you can't you – can't edit and make better a thing that doesn't exist hey truth i needed to hear that right about now actually i mean i here's the thing it's so easy to say and like when i like try to work on a first draft later i'll be like this is terrible i hate it i'm a bad writer so like i have to take my own advice too Mm -hmm. the other thing that i said to young people because i'm old is my first book was published when i was 35 and i used to think like if i didn't have a book out before i was 30 like i might as well throw in the towel like no one was going to care about me anymore it's just not true you have time there are, I mean, yeah, let's be real. A lot of industries are very youth-focused and youth-obsessed. Books are not as bad as Hollywood. Right. So, yeah. like, enjoy that. And, like, give yourself room to breathe. Everything takes forever in publishing. Even if you sold a book today, it wouldn't come out for two two years at least. So, like, don't don't give yourself these I, – I see this all the time. These kids are like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't get a book contract before I was 25. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> you have so much time. It's going to yeah. be okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel like it's just, like, focus on your work and don't worry 
about like how soon it'll happen if as long as you're like moving toward it. Yeah. And hey, Hollywood, you can write for your whole life. Just FYI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I also think you can probably act for your whole life. Yeah. People, people are all ages as people as right. human beings. And also it's amazing when you get life experience, how much better you understand <laughs> things yeah. and like what you can bring. Like, ugh. Totally. So is there a, a particular place that benefits you the most to buy the book? No, not really. Not so really. Okay. any So which is great because basically whatever is easiest for you as a reader, that is good for me as a writer. So amazing. it works out. Great. And but I always I will we'll say if here. you have an indie if you have an indie neighborhood bookstore, I always like to keep indie bookstores in business. Yeah. But like if you buy it from Amazon, do I see the same money? Yes. Cool. Good okay. To know. Cool. Good to know. And then where do people find you on the internet? All right. On Twitter, I'm at the Ames, T H E A M E S. On on I love Instagram. That you got that one. For someone for some reason I have a slightly different handle, which vexes everyone. It's that Ames, T H A T A M E S. And then I have a Facebook page, but like, does anyone care about Facebook pages? Nah, I don't think so. We're abandoned. Just, just look me up. I'm yeah. there. Rad. This is so fun. Oh, Amy, thanks thank for you. having me. Thank you for your work and yeah. letting us read it. It's a oh little my God, sink- thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here. So awesome. Clams, get that book. Get that book, Clams. And thanks for listening. As always, follow us on Instagram at Welcome to the Clam Bake, at Twitter on Clam Bake Pod, and on Facebook, even though everyone hates them now. And call our hotline. We're going to play some voicemails soon. We really appreciate it when you call. You can call us at 657-243-3789. 657-243-3789. And tell us your favorite young adult book when you were a little kid. Or maybe you are a kid and you have a favorite right now. Who knows? Yeah, tell us. (laughs) Um, And if you're interested in being a clambassador, email us at welcometotheclambakepodcast at gmail.com. Oh, let's shout out our current clambassadors. Heyo, Brittany and Beatrice and Holly and Mary Catherine. What? And soon to be Clambasters coming up too. Thanks for wearing your hats and taking pictures. Wear your hats and take pictures even more. We love it. Yeah, we love it. We'll repost them everywhere. And thanks to Campfire Media and our producer, Ryan Counthouse. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts <laughs> or wherever you find your podcasts. And pretty please leave us a review. We'll chat to you next time, Clams. We'll get baked together on this clam bake. Yeah, see, get baked with you next week, Clams. Bye. Bye. Howdy, it like me now. Maybe as a chowder or on a platter with melted butter and tangy mustard in a cluster from the coast of California. A trust of luscious muscles bathed in the gravitational pull of the moon with a new batch coming soon. Fresh baked and tastefully welcoming you to the clam bake. Welcome to the clam bake. Welcome to the clam bake. Welcome to the clam bake. the co-host of the podcast Hella in, in your 30s. 30s. This podcast is all about diets, hobbies, never dying, never dying, Fitbits. I'm going to try to moisturize my face more. Yeah, alcohol. Should we drink more or less? <laughs> Cheap Chipotle dates for two. We bring you hot episodes every Monday from Campfire Media, so make sure to subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.